Welcome back to Battleground. Today is Friday. It's actually Holy Friday, and uh, it is Law Enforcement Fridays on Battleground. Um, it is a fan favorite. Everybody enjoys it. We have a good time, and we always have uh, best in class, some of the best experts in the industry when it comes to law enforcement uh, Fridays. And right now, again, another week, another Friday, and a lot more of the same shit show coming out of the border a lot of the same crap coming out of the White House. They send, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess border and immigration expert uh, Kamala Harris down there to go solve the problems in, at the border in the Northern Triangle, calling presidents. Uh, hey, you know, we can only expect great things out of her uh, if, if she just follows uh, President Trump's lead and goes back to the Trump policies. They're, they're going to say it's a, a complete success and they're going to pat her on the back, uh, blow off fireworks. It's going to be like 4th of July, and it'll be the crowning of the beginning of her presidency just by going back to the Trump policies. But we'll see. We don't know. You know, nobody really knows. But we have two awesome experts today. Uh, you guys know him, fan favorite Robert Arce um, and his partner in crime, or actually fighting crime, uh, Saul Ayala. Uh, both of them uh, are here, and we're going to talk uh cartels. We're going to talk criminal organizations. We are going to talk the border. We're going to talk Mexico, coyotes, and not the animals. Um, it's going to be fun. And here they are. Hey guys, I know that was your walk-on song, uh, Robert. Uh, I know Saul was your partner. I know is that some meaning behind that? We talked about it last time. But anyway, welcome to the show, Saul. Thanks for joining us, man. It's a pleasure having you uh, on Battleground on Law Enforcement Fridays. We have heard a lot about you, actually, uh, including uh, uh, getting shot. So uh, welcome. Thank you for your service. And uh, what a clusterfuck at the border, guys. Um, yeah. So I'll start with you, man. You know that area very well. Uh, you've been undercover work. You worked uh, criminal organizations, Mexico cartels, you name it. Just like Robert, what's going on right now at the border? Well, you, you said it correctly. It's a shit show. Um, you have uh, criminal organizations that are taking care of taking uh, advantage of the chaos, uh, misleading people into believing that they're going to get across the border. I uh, recently talked to somebody uh, in uh, the state of Nayarit in Mexico. Uh, it's full of uh, people uh, from Guatemala, from El Salvador, places like that. They're on the streets begging, um, trying to make a few bucks to go from city to city, uh, all on their way uh, to, the, to the border. It, it, it's just a mess, and I think it's going to be a dangerous situation for all of us. Yeah, without a doubt. Hey, hey Robert, uh, what, what, what do you what do you what do you see here, man? What are you thinking? Yeah, we talked about it before. Is that uh, these uh, people down in central, primarily Central America, are being misled? They're being told it's going to be uh, uh, easy. The messaging they're hearing from the White House it's encouraging them, and they're making the you know the the trip north 
and we see all the uh, the danger that they have to face. You know, those of us who have worked Mexico, worked in Mexico, or worked in the U.S. against Mexican criminal organizations, we know the dangers down there and the dangers in Central America. And it's it's supposed to be a more humane. Uh, policy that they were preaching, and there's nothing humane of uh, using these uh, migrants as political props as they start heading north. And now they're saying, "Well, we don't want them to come now, but they're going to come." You know, it's it's they create. Hey, this, hey you, you know, your 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 president, because he's not my president, but your president Joe Biden, um, you know, uh, went around went around the country for you know eighteen months, a year and a half, campaigning, tell everybody to come. That, uh, you know, we're going to have open borders and welcome everybody. And now, you know, he created the disaster and now he says, don't come. Um, you know, right. I, I think it's, uh, it's a bunch of crap. He's using using minorities. They're, you know, like like that's what Democrats do. They use minorities. They use Hispanics. They use black. They are the most racist, despicable people on the face of the earth. And that's what they're doing to our people right now, to all the Latinos that are coming from the Northern Triangle, desperately seeking a better opportunity for their families. You know, I'm not I, I'm not for illegal immigration, but you can't tease somebody, wave a carrot and say, come and get it. And then when they come over and they risk their lives, they risk the lives of their kids, you know, babies, um, women, girls having to go on birth control because they're going to be raped multiple times per day during this entire trek. You know, we saw a video of children being thrown over the wall like they're some, you know, like a sack of potatoes, you know, a six month old baby thrown into the river to drown. You know, that's Joe Biden's policy. That's what this White House is pushing. That's what this White House is all about. They are racist, despicable people who don't give a shit about Hispanics and don't give a crap about what's going on in the Northern Triangle, in Mexico, in the region, anywhere, except advancing a Marxist agenda. But gentlemen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop my rant or I will continue till Monday. But, uh, man, you know, it, it just, it, it, it makes my, my blood boil, guys. It pisses me off. I got to be honest with you. Um, so, so we, we with, with Robert, we talked a lot about the coyotes, the cartels, the things that happen, women, girls getting raped, getting sucked into prostitution if they can't pay the coyotes to get them across. Guys, you know, getting forced into labor uh, with the cartels or, you know, what one of the things that I always bring up with Robert is the most unreported fact is the amount of missing people, the amount of people that go missing that never get reported because they are killed, slaughtered and have their organs taken for the black market and thrown in some desert somewhere. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us a little bit about your experience working with some of these criminal organizations and what you think is happening, what you've seen in the past? Well, they are, like you said, criminal organizations. Their, uh, their goal is to make money. They're evil people, uh, whether it's smuggling drugs, smuggling people, smuggling cigarettes, whatever it takes, they're going to do it. Uh, Phoenix, um, the Phoenix area, Arizona, there's a terrible problem with, uh, human trafficking with, uh, uh, massage parlors that are set up uh, as brothels. Uh, in fact, the Phoenix Police Department actually has a task force, which used to be our vice unit, which now, um, which is now this task force, uh, which works uh, these situations. They're difficult to work. It's hard to get into those places undercover. 
but it's a sad thing. You got you got uh, uh, very young girls, um, and um, and and the the thing is that these places do not cater to your average uh, American guy looking for a throw. They cater to drug traffickers. Right. If you're if you're going to go into one of these places, you know you're going to have to you're going to have to be that kind of a person. You're going to it's 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 catered for this. It's uh, just like a it's it's like a cottage industry that has grown. Um, and you know these guys uh, like Robert knows. You know in our culture, it's not uncommon for a 20, 30, 40 year old man to have a wife that's 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, so it, it, to them, it's, it's a, it's a different world. Um, the, the other problem is, um, the way these, the, these people are being fooled into believing, um, that this, uh, that this country is, is waiting for me. I, I, I have a hope, you know, because if you look at Hispanics overall, yep. um, I think, uh, the left may be making a mistake here because they're, uh, they're letting, uh, a lot of conservatives into this country. You know, yeah. we believe in God. We don't kill our babies. We, we, we love our families and we work hard. Conservative values. You know, um, I have hopes for the future. But as it is uh, right now uh, in our area, um, the biggest problem uh, is uh, at, uh, Border Patrol is not is not being allowed to do their job. Uh, I've talked to some uh, deputies from the sheriff's department. Um, uh, who have told me that they've had people dumped in several of the outlying cities, um, bus, bus loads of people that are just being dumped. Uh, I've spoken to a couple of uh, uh, Border Patrol agents uh, that work uh, down in the border. As far as the unaccompanied minor situation is concerned, uh, uh, it's not only that, it's the fact that sometimes they see the same minor over and over and over again because they're being sold to the highest bidder uh, to pretend they're part of a family, uh, to pretend they're, they're part of a family with minors so that they'll be allowed to stay over here. They, they come over here, they're allowed to stay, and then they ship them back and they use them over and over again. Um, it's, it's the same old tricks, the same old problems. Um, on top of that, you have the, the horrible drug problem, which is, which is still going on, which is all part of it. Yeah, and you know what, in, 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 in talking about drugs, Robert, uh, we we talked about that. Uh, we talked. Um, nobody's really talking about the drugs. Um, nobody's talking about the cartels. Uh, nobody's really talking about cocaine. Really, uh, that that's kind of gone away. Um, but fentanyl got a lot of hype, a lot of attention, and then it went away. But I know the problem hasn't gone away. What's what's going on? Bring us up to date. I know you have some fresh information on. On, on, on a lot of the things that are going on with fentanyl right now, uh, the components are coming in from China. They're being made in Mexico. Uh, so the margins are going to be much, much greater than before, right? Because before they were bringing in fentanyl from China. Now now they're making it in Mexico, right? So now there's going to be value-added add, added margin. Uh, that That's dangerous when you put a lot more margin, a lot more money in the, in the hands of cartels, right? Yeah, initially there were a lot of the fentanyl was coming directly from China. It's coming through a parcel, air parcel to mail. It was going into Mexico when it would show up. They started uh, hiring uh, their their cooks, teaching their cooks. And then these uh, labs started spreading all over Mexico. And, and just looking this week uh, here in Phoenix, uh, 
throughout the U.S., there's been seizures of uh, large fentanyl seizures where it, it, Phoenix is the hub. It's one of the hubs. It'll show up to Phoenix. Saul will tell you this after uh, talk about this part is it, it shows up, gets distributed in the streets of Phoenix, but then larger amounts, you know, 50,000, 100,000 pills at a time are being sent out to other parts throughout the United States. And, and then you got the, uh, the, the overdoses. The, a lot of people that are taking this fentanyl, they think they're taking a, uh, some type of bootleg prescription pill. And, uh, and, it, and it is a bootleg pill, but what they don't realize is that, uh, like I talked to the last, last show, when DEA did uh, an analysis of pills being seized nationwide, 27% of those pills have a possible lethal, uh, what could be considered a lethal dose uh, of fentanyl, 27%. That's a lot. And you have people dying all over the United States. And these are not just junkies. These are regular people. Some would become addicted to pain meds that are taking this. Uh, athletes, stars, uh, high school kids are taking this, you know, and you just don't know if you might be that 27% that is getting that fatal dose and it's a lot of money for them. And, and, and there's other drugs that are linked with fentanyl, right? Yes, yes. Um, heroin laced with fentanyl uh, was a common thing. There was there was a there was an issue with the harvest, um, the opium harvest. Uh, they were using uh, fentanyl to uh, to lace heroin. Uh, the the problem The problem is uh, Robert and I uh, knew a lot of heroin addicts. Um, you know, sometimes heroin addicts can almost be functional. Um, it you have a drug like fentanyl just 50 to 100 times more powerful than heroin. A, a dose of fentanyl is 10 micrograms. There's a thousand micrograms in a milligram. That's how powerful this drug is. Imagine trying to uh, cut the drug for, for street use. Um, it's very difficult. So you, you have people, people can overdose very easily on the drug. And right now it is uh, pretty cheap on the street, anywhere from five to 10 bucks a pill. Wow. And it has become the crack of, uh, of this, uh, of this century. Uh, you still see the um, convenience stores, places like that, where you have the crackheads hanging out. It's not crack anymore. It's all pills. It's, uh, it's unbelievable how it has spread and the damage is done. And I, I talked to drug addicts who have told me how horrible it uh, gets to them, how it destroys them completely. It's telling me, you know, it's worse than crack. It's worse than meth. It's a terrible problem. That's crazy. So yeah. is, is the meth situation going down? Is the cocaine situation going down? Do you, do you guys see that as, as a byproduct of this? Or? I think cocaine, uh, cocaine is still around among the Hispanic, the Mexican nationals, among the, the uh, um, movimiento alterado, which is called, which they call the the, the drug, the drug dealers, the drug, the traficantes, uh, they still they still use a lot of cocaine. It's you know, it's still kind of swank. Uh, a lot of the cocaine is it is coming back. Uh, it's it's still there. Uh, it's it's a little bit pricier now than it was back when Robert and I were buying it, uh, but it's still there, and the meth is still there. Uh, Meth is uh, really cheap. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think the first first time I bought a pound of meth, it was uh, about 
$16,000 for a pound. Now it's about $1,000 for a pound of meth. Um, it's, it's very cheap, but, uh, but the fentanyl is still kind of, kind of overshadowing everything. Um, that's all you hear about. And that's all you see on the street. Years ago, years ago, when Saul and I were working undercover in the street, the, the Mexicans were only selling Coke. And I remember meth was a, a white boy drug. It was like the, yeah. the biker types and all this. And I, I think it was Saul that was, he had a guy, a Mexican national that was looking to get, unload some meth. And he didn't even know what it was. He was like, it's como coca, pero no es coca. It's like Coke, but it's not Coke. And so we went out there to go look at the sample and it was meth. And eventually they just took over the market. It was, uh, meth was the white guys moving it in overnight. They, they make a better product, much more. And next thing you know, the, the white people were buying all the, the, the Mexicans became the suppliers. And it happened, uh, I mean, really fast. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's insane. So right now, so we know the crisis is going on at the border. We saw, like, I, uh, you know, on, on my rant a little bit earlier, you know, where these uh, coyotes are throwing children over walls from when babies in the rivers. Um, now there's a strategy behind this, right? Why the cartels are involved. They have, you know, massive groups rushed a certain point of the border to weaken other areas to push in whoever they need to push, right? Uh, important cartel members or whoever, or, uh, or drugs, right? I mean, you know, talk, talk to us a little bit about, cause I don't think people really understand the, um, uh, the coyote situation uh robert me and you laughed about it a lot when uh everybody on twitter thought it was an animal when when trump brought it up during during the debate um but you know can, can you guys elaborate a little bit more into the organized organized crime around illegal immigration around the border everything that happens right the prostitution drugs uh the human trafficking, I mean, everything. How does it all tie in? Who works for who? Well, I think uh, traditionally the, the smuggling routes have been there, and there's always been smuggling organizations. I guess, you know, going back to the bootlegging years, you know, back in the Prohibition years, I think that's about when, uh, when some of those uh, people in the Gulf started working. But... Um, it's all tied in together because because of the money, uh, the money that, that they can make. But there are sep definitely separate, um, I'll call them polleros, so we won't tell anybody, uh, scare anybody with coyotes, uh, yeah. polleto organizations. And you have, uh, you have quality polleto organizations and you have uh, evil, terrible polleto organizations. Um, uh, one time I worked a uh, wiretap it was a drug wiretap. We 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 caught a, a Poyeto organization and turned it over to the feds. But uh, but this lady at the time um, making an amazing amount of money. This was years ago. She had contacts in Boston and New York and Chicago, and and uh, they would come here to a house. She would she would uh, she charged more, but she had jobs. Uh, transportation and uh, place to live waiting for these people. I mean, she was, she was very good at the time. There was still uh, uh, travel agents, you know? Uh, so she had travel agents uh, 
which she worked with, who would uh, advise her on uh, uh, whether or not the Migra was at uh, Boston Airport, whatever it may be, or something like that. So uh, as far as organization is concerned, uh, sophistication is is out the door. It's uh, They're very sophisticated. Uh, uh, down to the ones, like you said, they're just throwing kids over the border and uh, charging a bunch of money and then leaving people leaving people to die in the desert. You know, the, they, they run the whole gamut. I think, I think Bobby had a lot of... Uh, of um, of contact with these groups uh, when he worked here, and then again when he worked uh, uh, in Mexico. One of, one of the investigations I worked uh, there, Yvonne, was that it was a wiretap. It was uh, we had such a big problem in Phoenix with human smuggling that the uh, state legislature uh, made a uh, human smuggling state law, a state law to help us fight the human smuggling at that time. So. I was I was one of the co-case agents on the first human smuggling state wiretap that we did or investigation, but it was a state wiretap. We're listening to this organization and they were laughing on the phone about this group that just couldn't keep up with the rest of them. And they just abandoned this guy in the desert and, you know, you know, and we're, we're scrambling, trying to find him. Well, Border Patrol found him. and The guy was dead. He died out in the desert. Wow. And uh, they just couldn't keep up. And they were joking about it. You know what? Hey, he should have known. He should have had more water and, and joking about stuff like that. And we're hearing this on, on, on the, uh, on, the on, on the phones. Yeah. And this is, I mean, they, this is, they're heartless. They get their money. That's all they care about. And going back to what Saul says, the smuggling routes were always there. The, the, the drug groups, which I've always argued, there's, there's some people that think that, that the cartels don't make money off of this that the drug organizations don't make money off of this. And it's uh, a drug organization is not going to put manpower and resources to, to maintain a smuggling route and allow somebody to use it. That's right. absurd. That is totally absurd. If, if something's coming through that route that they fought for, they're going to make money, even if they don't have, you know, they're going to have their hand in it somewhere or another, even if they're not doing it, but the, a smuggling organization is going to have to pay them to move any type of product that's coming through there, whether it's human drugs uh, or, or there's something else going in the other, other direction. Cause that's their route. Hey Robert. So quick, quick question here to, to distinguish, right? So traditionally the cartels have been playing in, you know, in heroin and cocaine. Is it the same traditional players now that are pushing the fentanyl or is it new players or subgroups or, you know, D different, you know, up and coming groups underneath the umbrella of Sinaloa or Jalisco or whoever. How how does that working out? The the fentanyl right now is primarily it's going to be Sinaloa. There's also uh, uh, identified groups from Jalisco, but it's it's primarily Sinaloa. And if you look at the labs right now, I think Saul can Saul just retired from the PD last uh, November. So uh, how many years you do? So 36, 37? 37. 37 years. Yeah. And I, I felt like a, a short timer. I only did 23 and a half and got the hell out. I, I popped smoke and got out. But uh, so, so and I came on around the same time. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, so uh, the, the recent information you were getting, obviously, so was still working uh, deals out on the street. Even though he was on light duty at the end, he was still doing uh, negotiations over the phone to do set up deals, uh, including fentanyl deals. 
you know, the, the last the last group that we worked was uh, uh, actually uh, Beltran Leva uh, related, Beltran Leva cartel. But the, the cartels are opportunistic. Uh, they have uh, marketing trend research going on. Um, when they uh, when they got the opportunity to, to uh, expand on methamphetamine, they did it, made a huge amount of money. Uh, they do. They follow trends. They have. Uh, they have information. They're. They're always a, a step ahead of uh, the way the the cops think. Uh, uh, you know, you get fentanyl. It hits you. Hits you by surprise. It's like, what's going on with these uh, little blue Mexican pills? They've already done the marketing. They. They've already flooded the market. They know. They know. They're great businessmen. So yeah, it's the same players. Uh, Sinaloa cartel, Betran Leva, and uh, and the Jalisco people. Um, that, that are doing this, uh, they're, they're opportunistic. Uh, they're going to make money. However, however it is, uh, legalizing marijuana, uh, isn't going to be, uh, isn't going to stop them from smuggling marijuana because, Hey, people sell fake cigarettes here on the street. They're just going to sell, uh, unlicensed, untaxed marijuana. It's, you know, if I can buy an, uh, an untaxed marijuana for uh, $300 an ounce and I have to pay a uh, tax marijuana, a thousand dollars an ounce. What am I going to buy? I'm going to buy the untaxed marijuana. It's not going to end the smuggling. It's not going to take the profit away from the cartels. They're going to figure out a way how to make profit. And that's a great point. Here in the U.S., they're starting to look at you know this legalization or decriminalization of marijuana. Um, I know that a lot of people in, uh, in in Latin America have have said, "Hey, wait a minute." Um, you guys brought this war on drugs over here for decades, uh, spent billions of dollars and, uh, and, and brought war to our countries. And now you're legalizing the same product that you came and, and brought war to us. Uh, why aren't you buying this from us versus now growing it over there? And uh, I think, I think we're going to see probably a lot of countries politically challenge the U S on, on, on some of this stuff. But, um, but it's but my question is, with this legalization, you're saying it's not going to affect the cartels. How, how do they get around this if this is being grown, you know, in, in, in different states legally now? And, you know, everybody pretty much, unless you have a concealed carry or something, you can get a, uh, a, a license to go buy marijuana at, at a dispensary, right? Because um, at least here in Maryland, I hear everybody, this is the people of Republican Maryland. So they're all liberal, so they're all high all the time. But uh, you know, they can get uh they can get, you know, a a, a permit, uh whatever, an ID and go buy whatever amount of weed they want out of dispensary joints, gummy bears, or candy or however they consume it. Um they're 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 free and able to do that and obviously, you know, Colorado and a whole bunch of other states around the country. Uh that that's gotta be impacting some of the trade, right? And it's got to be impacting, you know, the cartels without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I had personally had that, that, um, that information, uh, during a deal, uh, I was negotiating some, I believe it was some, um, it was, it was one of these drug dealers that had everything. And he, he said that's back when Colorado decriminalized. Um, he told me that, that it wasn't worth, uh, sending marijuana, up to Colorado uh, because it's legal. You know, that's what, you know, they, they follow the news. Uh, so they were, uh, they were moving lots of fentanyl and lots of heroin up there. 
Um, uh, I believe Colorado has a, a huge uh, rise in the in uh, has had a huge rise in violent crimes yeah. since yeah. marijuana became legal. Um, and again, like the other thing, I used to obtain cigarettes from from certain agencies, certain organizations, and use them on the street to barter. Um, if I if I walk around with a big uh, box of cigarettes and I'm selling cigarettes for thirty dollars, um, cigarettes that I got free for thirty dollars a carton would where a carton of cigarettes about eighty ninety I don't know how much they are but they're uh, I'm still gonna make a profit, you know. So I'm selling unlicensed, untaxed cigarettes for a huge discount, but the volume is 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 still there if I if I wanted to pursue that. So it. It it would be something like the like the um, the bootlegging days, like back during prohibition. You know, they're going to make a profit somehow, and if they're not making a profit from marijuana, they'll dump it, they'll find something else, or they'll 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 use their resources to uh, to to uh, develop something. But but they'll they'll find a way. Um, as long as there's a need, there's going to be profit. Yeah, the cigarette, the cigarette, uh, the, the bootleg cigarette is uh, is, is a huge, huge business, right? I remember yeah, it, in it's, Miami, South Florida, you know, people would go yeah. to uh, to warehouses that were full to the brim with all kinds of brands, and they would actually go and buy cigarettes, and uh, and they would drive around all the different gas stations and stores and wherever uh, in Miami selling them, you know, as is. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy. I can imagine a, a, a ton of other markets probably have a similar situation, right? I'm gonna have to step out here. I uh, got to head out to a to a meeting. Um, um, but uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hope absolutely. we can do this again. I, I I got some good rants, so you know. Uh, well, we're so. waiting for him, man. We're waiting for him. So you know, we'll see you next Friday. I know what. Uh, Robert had some technical difficulties. Oh, you know what? That's the thing. Yeah, I, I saw him disappear. Yeah, but that's all right. But you know, we'll uh, we'll wait for him. Hey, so uh, we have uh, Steve uh, who's who's watching. He, if you look at the screen, says I'm thinking of joining the FBI. Um, any advice? As a forensic accountant, great future there because after your after your career with the FBI, uh, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be sought after in the private world. Uh, Forensic accounting is absolutely fascinating. I know nothing about it. I'm just fascinated by these guys, the way they can trace money, uh, the way they can find uh, these guys committing crimes through their money. It's it's absolutely fascinating. And good luck to him. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's actually. Oh, thank you very much. We'll see you next Friday, hopefully. Uh, All right. And, uh, take care. And like I was saying, you know, it, it is um, it, it is a, a, an absolute disaster over there on the border. We've seen it, uh, you know, through the news. We just heard from, you know, from uh, Robert Arce, who we normally hear from on Fridays, on Law Enforcement Fridays, you know, bringing the wealth of, uh, of experience and, and, and stories that, you know, that, uh, that they've lived through and, and actual real hard data from their sources right now on the border. And, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's mortifying, <clears throat> you know, we hear, you know, the, the, the stories of the kids being thrown over walls, the babies thrown in the rivers. We hear about the prostitution, you know, the, everything that I've gone into and, um, uh, something that Robert talked about, you know, off, off camera. And we mentioned it just passing by is, you know, that, 
all these people have to pay these criminal organizations, these coyotes or polleros, as they call them. Um, now it's up to like twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a head to get them across, you know, the border and into the U.S. Um, when they don't have all the money, they're forced into other types of labor. So the women and girls we know are forced into prostitution. The guys, the men, um, are forced to go work for the cartels, either as mules. They got to go take drugs and cross it over and deliver them and then continue doing that until somebody says they've paid off their debt or they get uh, kidnapped and they get taken you know, to work with, uh, you know, with the actual cartels as security or as labor. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just a horrible, horrible situation. Hey, Robert, glad you're back. Uh, I don't know what's going on over there in Phoenix, man, but you know, hopefully the, uh, technical issues have been resolved and not, we'll try and send you some bandwidth from, uh, DC. Oh, just telling the audience, man, about, uh, some of the things that we were talking about before, you know, about the, uh, you know, obviously the girls and women prostitution, but the guys that get forced into these, uh, into these camps by the cartels, right? They got to work security or they got to work as labor, you know, picking up, carrying stuff. And, uh, and, and, and even some as mules, right? They got to trek it across the border, find the address, go deliver this stuff, and then come back and keep on doing that until they are set free or killed or I don't know. Do they ever get set free, Robert? I don't know. You've never, uh, we've never gotten into that detail if uh you know once they pay off their um their their debt to the uh to the cartels are they set free or are they just executed and thrown in, in into the desert no they're, they're set free they, they'll uh they'll disappear a lot of times if uh they learn this is what happens a lot of them they'll start they'll get into a, a drug trade to work off their debt and then they learn the trade and then they go out and form their own little street street uh, distribution uh, they're buying they already know who the dope man is so they'll set up their own little shop till they either get addicted get popped by the cops uh, or whatever so, um, so it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like a recruiting ground they take these guys in right um supposedly to pay off debt but really what what's going on is they're they're being trained right they're being trained and once this is over uh they're gonna go probably uh you know get get some help setting up their own their own mini cartel right in uh in, in some barrio in 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 LA or Chicago or or somewhere I, I would assume right here in Phoenix they'll set up uh they'll set up a little apartment to get some workers they'll recruit some of their friends from back home they get here illegally and next thing you know they're distributing to they'll they'll start their own little uh their their own little crew and I think uh Saul saw this uh you work the area where uh you have a lot of illegal aliens will show up and if they can't find work and they need money, what are they going to do? They're, they're going to start either selling dope. They're going to start stealing, you know, back in my day, they were, uh, there was a, a lot of stolen car rings by illegal aliens and they, they were all drug addicts. They become addicted while they were here and they would start doing residential burglaries or uh, stealing cars. Hey Robert. So how do they go from, you know, and, and I get, you know, um, I get the bigger, the bigger picture. Um, but, but so, so, so people understand is okay. So I get it across the border. We get, you know, being in Texas or Arizona or California, but how do these 
people end up in Chicago, in Seattle, Washington, in Portland, and you know, uh, New New Jersey. Uh, I, I don't know how, how do these illegal cartel criminal organizations spread out throughout the whole country? How do they recruit people? How do they build these organizations? Because it can't be cheap, right? It can't be cheap, and uh, and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of know-how. Or, or do they have, uh, like the U.S. Marines uh, have, uh, you know, recruiters in every city going out there and talking to kids uh, before they graduate high school and going, you want to be a U.S. Marine? Do they go see them in the playground and say, you guys want to come and work for the cartel? How does it work, Robert? Well, uh, the way I like to explain it, I look at my family and my mother's side of the family. My uh, mother's side of the family, part of them showed up in Phoenix uh, they were working for the railroads down in Mexico, and they started recruiting workers. And uh, they they made the, the trip north, set up shop here, uh, here in Phoenix, uh, uh, working for the railroads. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, there's running out of work here. There's work up in San Francisco. Let's go up there. So part of the family split off. And then another was like, hey, there's work in Kansas. So another part of the family split off and went there. So eventually we lost contact with them. So what happens is that these these uh, these kids, uh, these young men will show up, say, in Phoenix. They show up in, in L.A. They show up somewhere in Texas, New Mexico, whatever it is. And as they, they show up, I think I mentioned it before. Saul and I used to see this a lot. And, and this is a scam we used to use when we worked undercover is that uh, – Say someone shows up and they're doing some small-time uh, dealing in Phoenix. And while they're doing this small-time dealing in Phoenix, uh, they have a, a relative that lives, say, doing migrant farm work in Washington State or in Iowa or wherever, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Hey, you know, why don't you come on up and visit me? So they'll, they'll sneak up there, go visit a relative, and they get there, and all of a sudden they see a community a thriving migrant community of illegal alien workers and some farm, some pig farm, uh, some uh, picking fruit or, or vegetables. And they look around and they say, wow, there's a lot of raza. There's a lot of us here, but there's no carnicerias. There's no panaderias. There's no Mexican restaurants. And we have a market here. But also this guy that shows up might be a dope dealer, small time dope dealer. And he says, we got a drug market here. Yeah. And next thing you know, he'll make a phone call. The guys that are le legit will call his family and say, hey, come on up. There's there's business here. Let's open up a taqueria. Let's yeah. open up a panaderia. Let's open up a carniceria, you know, a meat market, uh, whatever it is. A butcher. The criminal says, hey, let's take over this drug market. We have We can get cheaper product, more product. We just have to eliminate the local dealers that are here now, they show up and they're pretty much say, hey, we can sell you this. Which are usually yeah. are usually the, the blacks, right? At the local level, right? And then blacks, the or maybe there might be some white, depending on where they're at. And but what they'll do is they'll show up and they'll offer, hey, we have product. We can get we can sell you product. And if we're gonna offer it to you for cheaper, we can guarantee you more. Uh, and if they don't cooperate, and then you'll have, you know, the this these cartel types, these gangsters will will send their enforcement people. They'll show up and they'll take care of business, and uh, they'll take care of business, eliminate who's there, 
and eventually start moving their product in. Normally, if, if you're like a street level dealer, you're going to go to the person that could sell you the, the best, cheapest product, you know, most affordable, but it's going to be better than what's already there. These people are not cutting it. They're not stepping on it. And next thing you know, they got a thriving market and now they're starting a pipeline. This happens. I would imagine there's going to be some drug wars too, right? Because some of the guys that are there are going to be like, no, no, we, we have our source. We're good. Get out of here. And, of course. And, of and course. then they send their enforcers, Roseta or, or, or similar. Um, how nasty does it get? Well, that's okay. You look at, uh, let's look at Chicago. Let's look at any of the inner cities right now. Yep. When you have these high uh, homicide rates, shootings going on and everything else. Is that what it is? Most of these shootings are, they're street gangs at the street level fighting for control of that local drug market. Block by block. Hey, this is our apartment complex. We sell here. No, we're going to take it over. And it it happens all over the United States. It's They're not only fighting because, well, I'm this gang, you're that gang. No, we're fighting for the money, the money that can be made for taking control of a certain block and neighborhood to move the drugs. And the drugs that are being sold belong to Mexican drug cartels or Mexican criminal organizations that are connected to them uh, operating here in the United States. And it all funnels back to Mexico. You know, we, we would do these wire. When we, I worked wiretaps for seven years. Yeah. And you're listening. The big the big bosses never come to the States. They're, they stay in Mexico and they're calling the shots. And when a big load gets taken off, hey, they tell the U.S. person, you need to come down and talk to us. And sometimes they're not going to return. So we have to make a decision there. We can't let somebody get killed. So yeah. somebody makes that call. We... Usually we would try to take them off for something else because we, we're just not going to let somebody get slaughtered. Yeah. So this repeats itself over and over and over. And you look at the inner city violence that we have. Much of that violence is can be attributed right back to Mexico because they're fighting for the uh, lucrative street market to sell the dope. That's that's what they're doing. It's amazing that after all these decades and the famous war on drugs that we were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> How we have not been able to uh, to to put that into check, huh? It, it's like you said, it just repeats itself over and over and over again. And and you know, it's these drug cartels that that uh, that have so much money, right? Uh, we talked about the Mexican ones, but we, you also have the Colombians, right? And um, yep. and and you know, they all kind of operate. You know, uh, they, they they do business and they don't do business together, right? Um, you you have. In the dope business, you can have rivals that are killing each other, but when it comes time to make a buck, they can always make form a truce for to make that buck. When when I was working the wiretap investigations uh, in Phoenix, we had a uh, a black street gang that would occasionally have some beef with a Mexican American street gang, yeah. but the Mexican American street gang had a drug connect to an illegal alien. So they kind of made a little piece there. So then what was happening was that some black street gang members from, I think they were from Dayton, from Dayton, Ohio, yeah. were coming in from uh, from Ohio, uh, driving, uh, they would show up to Phoenix, from Phoenix, the Phoenix-Mexican-American connections were sending them down to the border, to Nogales. Yeah. They were crossing the border in their trucks that had hidden compartments and the Mexicans were loading their cars up with cocaine and they sneak back across the border. 
uh, without being uh, detected, and then off to Dayton to supply the street gang market there in Dayton, Ohio. And eventually we got onto them and uh, we watched them and wa took down a big group of them. But Amazing. so here you have black street gangsters in Dayton dealing with Mexican-American gangsters in Phoenix, dealing with Mexican uh, drug cartel types in Nogales, Arizona, or Nogales, Sonora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, but you know what? Realistically, I mean, the, the only place they can get drugs is through, you know, Mexicans or or, or uh, s some other connection uh, that, that would either bypass the Mexicans, you know, Colombians direct or something, but... Um, there's no other source for them. It's 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 not like uh, they're they're making cocaine in the Caribbean, right? So, um, no. they, so they have to. They, they they'll fight the uh, the the black and, and 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 Mexican gangs will fight, but they have to do business, right? Isn't that weird? Oh, they do business. And then I remember uh, working uh, here in Phoenix. Uh, all our wiretaps were you know were Mexican connections from Mexico, and somebody uh, complained and said. Why are you guys just picking on Mexicans? You guys need to start, maybe pick a black or a white group. So we went out, because we were not targeting black groups on wiretaps. They were always all Mexican connections. Right. So we said, all right. So we go up in a black target, a black street gang target. As soon as they run out of dope, the dope, the, the, the main guy from the black street gang, they're, hey, man, we're out of dope. We need more dope. So he makes a phone call. As soon as the guy answers a phone on the other end, you can hear the accordion music from the Mexican answering at the other end in broken English. So now we're spinning off into a Mexican target. We're saying, hey, man, it's just going to happen. The supplier is yeah. always going to be a Mexican or some Colombian. If you go to the East Coast, yeah. uh, Florida, you're going to run into more Colombians. Right. If you go Northeast, you're going to run into some Dominicans working for Mexicans or Colombians, yeah. uh, sources. Uh, stuff like that, but in Phoenix, the Southwest, it's it's almost it's all Mexican primarily. That's amazing. So just so people understand, so the so the uh, cocaine leaf, the coca leaf, is uh, grown in Peru and Bolivia. They produce something called uh, pasta básica de cocaína, right? Is <laughs> paste, and then and then it, then it goes to Colombia and it turns into cocaine. Um, with Plan Colombia, uh, the U.S. was able to shut down a lot of the uh, a lot of the Colombians. Uh, so Peru started producing a lot more cocaine than it had in the past, and at one point even became the largest exporter of cocaine in the world, bypassing the Colombians straight to the Mexicans, and all that value added margin the Mexicans took and and just went crazy, right? With all that kind of money that they they've been able to do, the Colombians are back in the game again. Um, but so people understand the route, right? Why why it would be more Florida and the, and the East Coast is because Colombia has a exit right into the into the Gulf of Mexico, and they just uh, trek it, you know, float it over uh, speedboats, whatever, into uh, into Florida, the, the Florida Peninsula. So that's uh, that that that's pretty wild, man. And uh, and obviously you get the, uh, the 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 Cuban influence over there, and and, and the Venezuelans, right? Because uh, tienes el cartel de los soles. Uh, in Venezuela, who uh, who play a very very important role in in drug trafficking, especially to Europe. So um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how this can be stopped ever. Um, I'm not a proponent of legalizing drugs, but I just don't know how anybody could ever stop this. It's I, it seems impossible. Now, I think all all we can hope for 
is to encourage uh, us as parents, encourage your kids, grandkids, whatever, that, you know, it's glorified. The, the, the lifestyle is glorified. You look at Hollywood, they glorify drug use. You listen to the black music and they glorify that kind of lifestyle. You look, listen to the Mexican, the corridos, yeah. the, the narco, the narco Mexican music. And what happens is a lot of these, a lot of these young kids in Mexico that live in these little ranches, these in these ranchos that are so dirt poor, and they see these videos and they see a guy with a, you know, fast cars, you know, big trucks and fast women and all this money. Hey, I want that. That's going to be easy. I want to be do that. And they don't realize that, you know, most of most of these people are going to be cannon fodder. They're going to just be throwaways. And there's only so many people that have that lifestyle. And then what happens to most of them? And they, they end up life on the run. Yeah, they end up they end up dead anyways, right? I mean, eventually. Right. I mean, right. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know any drug dealers that have actually grown 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 old uh, to uh, to enjoy their grandkids. Um, right. You know, where, where's El Chapo today, right? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Escobar and, you know, I mean, you, you can ramble on a list of, of people forever and ever and, uh, and they never make it to, uh, you know, to, uh, li live out their last days like Don Corleone and the Godfather, right? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. happen. It doesn't happen. And I think, uh, the, the problem is always going to be there. There's a demand because there's people who are using. Yeah. And like I said, I just think we, it's, it's a lifestyle that's kind of glorified, uh, it's glorified and people don't see the end result. Uh, so many wasted lives. Like I said, Saul and I worked, uh, we were ground zero during the cocaine explosion. Yeah. We were young patrolmen working the streets of Phoenix where I myself personally was running into people that I went to school with, that I grew up with, uh, that were messed up on crack cocaine. I was making snitches out of people I played baseball, football with, wow. buying dope off of them. And the women, the girls that I went to school with, a lot of them were prostituting themselves. It was horrible. And then all these years go by and you see them and there, it was just a wasted, they wasted their lives and uh, wasted opportunities. So. Hey, um, you even have some funny stories about uh, buddies of yours uh, picking up trannies, right? So, hey, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't want to expose anybody's, uh, you know, uh, deviant behaviors here. On a uh, battleground, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just yesterday, just yeah. yesterday, I belong to a private group, a Phoenix PD group, and yeah. we were talking about. Uh, I remember I was it was a, uh, I was right out of the academy driving around, and uh, a call came out of a suspicious vehicle in this area, a really seedy area <laughs> in the neighborhood I grew up in. Go figure. Yeah. And I pull into the alley, and I see this car. And I see one head sticking up. The windows are foggy. And I was like, okay, something's going on. I walk up, tap on the window. And there's a guy. I recognized him. I played baseball with him in high school. And he's getting serviced by one of our famous female impersonators. And her, my buddy is drunk on his ass, just hammered. Oh, and, and I look at him. And I, was, I recognize him immediately when I hit him with a flashlight. And the, the guy that's giving him the, the yeah. BJ. Yeah. Is uh is a female impersonator that everybody knows. He's just gross, and I was like, "Oh my!" You know that's a dude, don't you? <laughs> and he started crying. He was so drunk, he started crying and says, "Bobby, please don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody." And if that would have happened today, 
You know, if I was a rookie cop today, I would have I would have streamed it live on Instagram, yeah. on on Twitter, on Facebook, everything. You know, and hey, here, hey, here's our 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 old teammate from baseball when I played high school baseball at East High School. And, right. oh. oh, it's hilarious! I was like, and I just looked at him, and I knew him, and I was like, hey. He was drunk, so I couldn't let him drive. I grabbed his car keys and I tossed him on the roof of the bar and I drove away. I said, "Get the hell out of here!" Oh man, that, and, and I can imagine so many stories that uh, <laughs> that like that are worse. But hey, you know, so on, so you know, circling back here, like your girl Jen says, you know, on the border, um, how does this get fixed? I, I don't see any other way that this gets resolved unless you know uh, Kamala Harris can convince the senile one that he needs to go back to Trump policies. Right. Um, I don't think there's any other way because Trump policies worked. They brought down illegal crossings and apprehensions to historic lows to all time lows. Um, they obviously worked. Uh, we should, we need to finish building the wall and we need to go back to the Trump policies of, you know, no, no more catch and release. No, none of this stuff and not letting people in period. Um, you know, you, 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 you the, the, the weight in Mexico um, provision was probably the best one out of all because you trek it all the way out here, you're not getting in. You're going to have to go sit there and wait in Mexico for, you know, six months, six years, whatever it takes. And, and uh, more than likely, you're not going to be allowed in because, as we know, only, uh, you know, less than 10% of asylum seekers actually qualify for asylum. So, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a very, very interesting outcome because if she goes back to the Trump policies, is she going to get all the accolades as some superhero messiah, you know, the, sep- the second coming of Obama, you know, that saved Joe Biden from this horrible crisis created by Trump? Because um, that's how the media is going to spin it, right? Um, can they get away with that? Do you think they can get away with that? I just don't see them going back to those policies because they would have to admit that they were wrong from the beginning. I just don't see it happening. And I think they would rather just live in this shit show that's going on than, uh, than changing. Or uh, or they'll do what they've done on other things. It's they'll say, well, this is going to be our new policy. And you're going to look at it and you're going to go, wait a minute, that was the one that we already had. Right. They'll name it. They'll rename it. And, of course, the mainstream media will help them promote that, that right. falsehood. And because, you know, they could always depend on the media to help them out. Absolutely. So, and I think they're going to do. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to have to go back to the Trump policies. They'll call them something else. They'll repackage it, reinvent it. They'll say it was Kamala Harris who came up with this entire thing, the second coming of, of the Messiah of, 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 of Barack Obama. And, uh, and, and, and that's going to be her crowning moment to assume, you know, the president of the United States because Joe Biden doesn't know where the hell he is or who he is. So, um, I, you know, I, I just don't see any other way, man. I, I mean, the border is a, is a disaster. You know the border personally. You've been there. You and Seoul have talked a little bit about it today, and and you've talked about it a lot, you know, not just on this show, but, it, you know, everywhere, you know, uh, everywhere you go. And uh, and th- th- there's no solution except the Trump way. I, I just don't see another solution, man. Yeah, and one of the things I talked to, uh, I was trying to get a little bit more information, but I talked to a contact yesterday that is a Mexican source, a law enforcement source. And he was telling me that one of the big concerns or one of the big problems that's happening right now, which people don't see, 
as this, these new caravans and these new mobs of uh, migrants are traveling to Mexico, some of these uh, don't have money. So what are they going to do? They need to eat, so they're stealing. So it's a crime wave uh, also going to Mexico. It's not in their best interest to allow this to happen. And uh, he was telling me that uh, there's they're trying to put more pressure on Guatemala to stop in this, this wave uh, at their border. And Mexico's also trying to slow the, the flow uh, with their military because it's not in their best interest. This, this is a human crime wave uh, that's also moving through there. You know, you got desperate people. They're going to do what they have to do to eat uh, to be able to continue to move on. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a criminal element. We talked about that before. There's always going to be a criminal element. Not everybody there is wanting to come to the United States and, and, and live a lawful life. Uh, it's, it's, it's unlawful just by crossing, which people forget. Some of them are coming over to take over a plaza, right? Um, they've been, they've been off plaza and, uh, and, and they're, they're, they're coming to collect, right? Or they got a job waiting some, for them. Tomorrow. Some got a job already waiting for them. They're going to come over and they're going to do, they're going to do their dirt. They're going to do their dirt. And, you know, a lot of these, some of these people, if you're a criminal in your own country and you come to our country, does it mean, I mean, you're just going to do what you know how to do. Yeah. Um, it's not like, like we always talk about when, when, when we work these uh, long-term uh, conspiracy investigations on these wiretap, uh, sometimes these criminal groups would spot our surveillance following them. And then the supervisors would be like, some supervisors that were a little naive would go, oh no, the case is blown. And we're like, what do you mean? You think these people are going to get a classified section and start looking for a job? No, yeah. this is this is their job. This they're gonna they're gonna chill for an hour and they're gonna continue doing what they're doing. This is all they know how to do, or this is all they desire to do. They don't want to work hard. They want to make easy money. So, you know, so what if they spotted surveillance? They spotted surveillance. We'll back surveillance off, and and uh, they'll Robert, they'll just continue doing what they're doing. This is this is what they do for a living. That's exactly right. Hey, Robert, it's always a pleasure to have you, man. You're a stud. You're a stud, man. Thank you for your service and. Uh, Always thank you for being part of Battleground Law Enforcement Fridays, man. Uh, we'll see you next Friday. I know it's, uh, you know, good Friday, so, you know, be good. Stay out of trouble. And uh, happy to you and your family, brother. You too. You too. Thanks for having me on. And we'll see you guys next weekend, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As you know, Battleground in English and Tuesdays and Thursdays, Battleground in Espanol. We're bringing the heat. We'll see you next week. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.